Welcome to the Generation Influencer Podcast. I am your host, Sean Hanif, CEO of Afli, where we help influencers launch their own brands. We've been quite successful over the last two years, with the company now being worth $10 million. And our clients have a combined following of 20 million, which gives us a lot of experience in this industry. This podcast is all about showing how influencers are also entrepreneurs and how they should be thinking of themselves as businesses. We break down everything from how to grow your channel, monetization strategies, marketing, and what it really takes to grow and scale your business to the next level. Let's get into this episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another podcast. First of all, this is the first one I'm recording since the podcast has been live and um, the feedback has been amazing. I think we're on around about seven and a half thousand listens after the first two episodes. So thank you for that. In today's episode, I have um, a YouTuber, but he also has a large Instagram following. His name is Mike Thurston. Hey, hey, hey. And um, he is known for doing YouTube videos around fitness where they're very information based. So it's actually giving people like value saying that this is what you can do to uh, work your shoulders the best, or this is what you do to, for, for diet. So his, his channel is very information heavy, more so than um, like vlogs and chilling out and doing silly things. It's, it's more, I guess he's, he's a real coach. After watching his content myself, he actually has real knowledge when it comes to like coaching people and does it all over the world. And that's very clear in the content. Um, he's on today's episode. We're going to be talking a lot about like how he's made it to where he is today because he's on 400,000 on YouTube and almost on 400 on Instagram. Has worked with like, I guess, loads of different companies. Um, he actually already has also set up his own monetization. He's now we're working on something new, which I guess we can touch upon later. But before we get started, a little bit of update about myself. We've actually recently moved offices. We're now doing this podcast in our own little studio that we've built in the office to make it very easy to be doing more of these. And um, business-wise, uh, very, very cool. Over the last like six months, we've been producing loads of goods in our factory and all of that's been going very, very well. We've been completely like taking the whole process in-house. So we design, manufacture bring it to the UK and store it here in our warehouse and then fulfill it too. And then any like customer service from that point. So the whole thing we're doing ourselves, the, the products are going very well. I think we've, we've shipped something around like 50,000 orders in 2018. So things are going very well. And overall, our whole platform is pretty much automated now. So when influencers come to us, it's very easy for us to do their work and get them live. Yeah, that's a little bit of um, update on the business. We're now looking at other things and potentially going into more building a new type of software, which I will be coming back to soon. But yeah, let's get into today's episode. How's it going, Mike? Very well, thank you. Very good. Do you want to start off with just giving people a background on yourself? Yes. And your kind of like story, what you're about? Yeah, so where to begin? I think uh, I've always been into training. I think ever since I've been sporty, ever since I was like nine years old, for 10 years, I think I pretty much tried every single sport that there was, even cricket and tennis and golf, which I wasn't very good at. When I moved to uh, university, I, I don't know, I had this sudden interest in going to the gym and I just wanted to transform my physique. I wanted to be bigger. I don't know what the motivation was. I just, I, there was something within me that made me want to do it. 
So I started training. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing really, like no training program, no nutrition program. I just met up with a couple of guys who liked to also go into the gym and they had some kind of experience behind them. So I trained with them for a couple of years and then that was when I kind of really noticed my physique change and I had a real sort of love and passion for it. And I was studying economics and business management at university thinking that I would end up in some kind of office job, you know, start at the bottom, work my way up to the top. Pretty sure that's what my dad wanted me to do anyway. And that's what I thought I was going to do. But I realized it was in third year that it was just what I was learning. I had no interest in like it was so mathematics based, graphs based. And it was just like, oh, my God, like I have no interest in doing this. I just want to go to the gym. After I graduated, I was in a situation where it's like, okay, like a lot of people are, what the hell are you going to do with your life? And I had no idea. So uh, I went on a, it wasn't a gap year, but I went uh, to Spain for a few months just to work there in the nightlife industry, just to kind of have a bit of a break from everything and have a little think about what it is that I wanted to do before I came back to England. And still, at the end of that little stint, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So I, I came back, I actually stayed in Newcastle because I'm originally from Leeds. I went to Newcastle University. One of my friend's girlfriends actually recruited me to work at Hollister, which is the, yeah. the retailer. Uh, you actually needed a degree to get this job. It was the manager the manager position. So it wasn't me just like being topless on the the, the porch. Um, so I, I ended up working there. I never thought I'd see myself in retail, but I worked there for a year and a half. I mean, the first few months were all right. Like I learned a few things about business and retail, but after a couple of months, I was like, oh my God, this is absolutely horrendous. I, do, I don't want to do this. Um, but it's still at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until about a year... A year later, where a guy I was living with, he was getting his personal training course. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm going to be a personal trainer. And I'm like, huh, maybe I could do that. I never saw myself as being a teacher. But I thought, you know, if I could spend more time in the gym and set my own hours, work when I wanted to work, I'll be much happier. Yeah. So I kind of transitioned from, I was still working full time at this job. Whilst doing my qualification, which was three days per week, Pretty intense days from like nine in the morning till five, learning all gym-related stuff. And I was basically doing that for about six weeks. I literally had no days off because every day off I was either working or at this course. And I was, because I knew I was going to leave, I booked in a few sort of holiday days, vacation days. That was, I just remember that period in my life that was, it was six weeks of hell basically. But once I'd got that certification, I was then able to quit my job at Hollister, which is a risk because for the first time, you know, after being at university, I there was no secure source of income coming in. Yeah. And I was like, right, it's, you know, I'd saved up a bit of money, but I was like, it's time to really graft because there is no more paychecks coming in anymore. Yeah. This is all going to have to come in from your one-on-one, one-on-one clients. And then, yeah, the rest is history. I got my certification, started hustling, started uh, building up a bit of a client base. I mean, it wasn't, it was not easy to begin with. I just thought, oh, you know what? I'm in good shape. I've got a six pack. Everyone's going to be queuing up to want to train with me. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Like but I, did you like work in a gym? Yeah, yeah. So I operated out of a gym. It was a local gym, which I went to on a regular basis. And, you know, we gave them a little bit of a cut for every client, which I trained. And obviously, you know, word spread. Um, I was plugging my work as well on social media. And I had a steady client base. But then it got to the point where I was like, right, I can't, it was it, it wasn't the prettiest of gyms. The, it, the place was called Men at Work, 
So obviously, if you're trying to tell a female client, hey, yeah, come and train with me at my gym. It's, uh, it's called Men at Work. And they should be like, um, okay. And it was, it was one of those heavy bodybuilding gyms. So I was, right. I was getting quite a few high-end clients. You know, they'd rock up to the gym. It wasn't in the nicest area. Like, there was quite a lot of crime. And uh, it was a bit of a scruffy gym as well. So I was just like, oh, we, we need our own studio. And as well, because I was like working from home, I was driving back and forth to the gym because I had clients dot out throughout the day. So that was when me and my business partner, we were like, right, okay, we'll set up this company, which is called Aurora Athletic. Uh, a couple of months after doing that, we had our own website, started doing like the online coaching thing. We we're like, we need our own studio. So that's when we, we looked around. God, it's a long story, but the process was, it was a pain in the ass, but we eventually found the right premises, got the green light from the council, and we set up our own studio and then that was where I was based for so the studio you mean pretty much like a gym yes yeah, so it was it was a it was a personal training private studio which was in a warehouse which we kind of converted into a gym so it was it was a cool place it was about 2,500 square foot so that must have felt quite cool though right so you've gone from like your retail job which you were just doing to pay your bills to then essentially setting up your own business yeah. and as pretty much for most people that would be like the goal that, oh, and yeah, then right, you, you yeah. kind of reached it you set up your own business in fitness you're loving it mm, I, was, I, was 20, I was 23 at the time and I remember just sort of sitting in my gym and I was like this is, this is pretty good you've done well like you, you have your own company you have your own gym you know business is going well and you're 23 like this is nice this is good how, like, how old are you now? 27 okay. yeah going soon to be 28 this year um, but yeah it was I think for a lot I'm of people, I'm 29, so very close. <laughs> for a lot of people who are in the fitness industry, I think it's uh, definitely an aspiration for a lot of people to have their own gym. Yes. Um, but it's interesting. I would though, say that 99%. But I'll tell you what, though, once you've been there and done it, I don't, it's, yeah, I, I definitely. What, what were like the three things that you learned? Actually, so first, what happened? Um, what, so when you, when you open a gym, first of all, It takes a lot of money to do that. Yeah. So you've got to buy all the, we don't necessarily have to buy it, but you've got to sort out all the equipment, all the mats, all, you know, the admin, the rent, everything. It's, it's a lot of money, okay, and it's a lot of work. Second of all, <clears throat> it just, I don't know, I guess it just, for me, it became a, a bit of a pain in the ass, really, uh, because of the, the constant work that you needed to sort of, it was like a baby, which you constantly needed to look after. Yeah. And the funny thing was, was I wanted my own gym, but I didn't want anyone else there. I just wanted it for myself. <laughs> so I could just go in there, you know, train topless, blast out some music and just have the, the whole place just private for myself. As soon as loads of other people were in there, I was like, oh, this isn't really my gym anymore. It's like I'm training in someone else's gym. Um, But was it open for membership as well or just, just for PT clients? Just for PT clients. Okay. okay. Yeah. Which it was okay to begin with because we were small. It was just me and my business partner. But then as we grew, we started taking on other coaches And actually got really busy. And then we started doing like classes as well. Yeah. And I was like actually struggling to pick times where I could work It sounds like the business was working though. Oh yeah, it was working. Okay. But funny thing is as well, like once, when you w spend so much time somewhere, which I was doing at the studio because that we had an office, we had a mezzanine office. Yeah. I was there first thing in the morning to like late at night. Yeah. And you actually get a bit sick of being in the same place for so long. Yeah. You get cabin fever. And I was just like, oh God, I didn't want to train here. I, like, I want to go and train somewhere else now because I just wanted a bit of a change. Because it's, I don't know, it's, you don't really want to train at the place you work. It's, it's sometimes nice to go and train somewhere else. So it, you wouldn't think that when you're opening it, you have your own gym. You'd be like, oh, train all the time. I, I can relate to that. So being in the office, 
because I spend so much time generally in the office that if I ever go somewhere else to sit and work, it's like, oh, it's so fun. Yeah. Because you're like, it's a new surrounding, you're sitting somewhere else, it could even be a coffee shop, it could just be anywhere else and you feel like that much more fun. Mm. Not nice? in your own place where you're working with everyone else every day, you, you know, you're kind of like boxed in. Yeah. So I can, I That's can the problem I had, well, I have at the moment is, and I guess is the case for anyone who works from home. Yeah. Your home becomes your office and then it's hard to separate that sort of office environment from your work environment. Because when I had that gym, I would come home from the studio and then I was home and I could relax. Whereas now when I'm working at home, there's no set time where I stop working. It kind of just all sort of blends in. Then you get quite a lot of time, which is unproductive dead time. And also, you know, especially when I'm editing videos, I can just run into, you know, the late hours editing videos and it's like, oh my God, it's 12 o'clock. I need to go to bed. But then you can't go to bed because your head's like wide awake. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so what happened with the business though? Um, again, it's a, it's a long story. I won't go into it in too much detail, but I was, this is the problem if you ever go into business with a partner because over time, tensions were building, um, I think we both kind of wanted different things. Yeah. And my business partner, I think he very much wanted it to be his business. Yeah. Uh, I think that was just the way he was. He was he's quite a, oh, I don't know what the right word is, but he, he, he just, he, I don't think he liked sharing the business with me. It is very hard because like, because you know, when you're starting out, you're like, it's a dream to have your own business and you're like, yeah, yeah let's do it together. But then when it, you're actually in it, it's very tough to then know like who's really in charge and whose vision is it. And yeah. in most businesses um, where it was like two people starting here, one ends up leaving yeah. at one point or the other. Because it's, it's, when we started, I'd, I mean, I, I, I knew the guy, he was, a, he was a friend of mine, but going into business with a friend, a lot of people say is not often the smartest idea. Yeah. But I think we kind of teamed up because he had the initial starting money to kind of fund it. Okay. And then I had the following to bring the money in which did work together for a while, but then it kind of got to the point where later on, as my following group, I was bringing in a lot of clients and a lot of money, especially for the online coaching, which was paying for the, the running of the business. Whereas he didn't, he didn't really have a following at all. And he was doing more of the administrative stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it did clash a little bit. Cause I was like, come on, I want you to, you know, sort of build your following a bit. You need to get your face out there. Cause that's what it's all about in the fitness industry. Yeah. And then he was wanting me to do more like the admin stuff. And it just, there was a lot of arguments, there was a lot of tension. And obviously we kind of both wanted to take it in different directions. Yeah. And it got to the point where I, was, I actually didn't enjoy going to work. Like yeah. it was just like, it was just so awkward and there was so much tension. I was like, I should not despise going to the place where I work. Yeah. So it was a point Especially where I was, your own business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I no longer felt like it was my business. I felt like, I don't know, we had different values. And I don't want to work hard for something which I'm going to share with somebody who I don't necessarily trust yeah. or necessarily, you know, like that much anymore. Uh, so I, I kind of got an understanding. I think it was 2016 in that summer. Where I was like, right, I need to go off and do my own thing now. Okay. Which was, it was hard because this 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 company was my little baby. Like that gym was. How, how long my, did you run it for? Which was 2013 when it was set up. It's about three years. Yeah, it was about three years. Yeah, that was a long time. Yeah. So, and I had spent a hell of a lot of time in in that gym, and it was you know that 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 brand, my company, had been something which I've been pushing for so long, yeah. and it was something which I'd initially thought you know was going to be like a worldwide brand, you know we we're going to have like a massive clothing line and all this, 
And then for the realization to set in and think, oh, you know, this actually isn't going to work. You know, not necessarily that all of the time prior was a complete waste. Uh, I mean, I learned a hell of a lot, but it was like, you know, it was was tough to swallow and to think, right, I've got to kind of leave that behind, go off, do my own thing, you know, take another risk, which I did leaving that job at Hollister. And that was when I thought, right, I need to get out of Newcastle. Newcastle's a bit of a fishbowl. I need a fresh start. Always wanted to do a stint in London. So I was like, right, let's go down to London. Let's see what I can do there. And that's when there was about a month transition. I think it was October 2013, where it was, it was a very strange point in my life because I'd, I'd walked away from this gym, which was mine. I'd walked away from this company. I had no website. I literally had nothing. I had a very, very small YouTube channel of about 5,000 subscribers. Still on my Instagram following, but I went home to Leeds to live back in the family house. So I didn't even have a home anymore. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, like this, I'd, I'd, that was when I had sort of really kicked myself up the arse. And I was like, right, I'm going to smash YouTube now. I need a place to live. So I, I found somewhere in London, moved there as soon as I could. And that was where I needed to get a nice place because obviously if I'm going to be doing a lot of filming, you don't want to yeah. film in a, you know, like a crappy environment. Yeah. And the problem with London is the rent is so expensive. Yeah. So I was looking at this place and it was like, it cost three times as much as the rent I was paying in Newcastle. I was like, Jesus, I don't really have much of an income at the moment. So how the hell am I going to afford this? So I'd saved a bit of money and I was like, right, just move into this place. It'll be worth it. And it kind of gave me a bit of a kick up the ass to yeah. start earning money. Yeah. And then uh, that was when, you know, I set up my website and YouTube like I said, I had a bit of a following, but I was like, right now, this is this is the time for me to smash YouTube. Before we get into the influences, to be honest, I didn't even know that you've kind of been through this journey of like building a business and then getting there. So um, just a few takeaways from there. So, you know, like what like things did you learn in that experience? Because I guess setting up a business. Uh, first of all, be very, very careful with who you're going to business with. Okay. Because it's like a marriage, really. Like you're in it for the long run. Yeah. And... If things don't work out, it can get very messy. Yeah. Second of all, trust your gut, your gut instinct because I had, it was this was probably about a year, even for maybe less than that, I had a bad feeling about a business partner. I thought, you know, something's going to go wrong here. Like I didn't fully trust him. And over time, it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. But what kind of led you through that? Is it like daily habits? Is things that people are doing? Is it not turning up to work or not hustling enough like how does you know if someone's in a similar situation today like you know how would they suss that out so how they speak about you to other people because i was hearing a few stories i was like hang on that's what my business partner said about me that's a bit that's not right i wouldn't say that how they would treat other people i guess because there was you know obviously we both used to coach clients and we'd be in the same gym obviously coaching and I could just see that he wasn't as passionate about the training side of it as I was and I was like you know it's our brand we've got like I want the standard to be very high and I felt like he wasn't necessarily delivering um and then sometimes yeah just being there was it was just there was so many things I mean, I don't really want to get into too much detail because I just don't want to be bad yeah, mouthing no, the guy. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. I know it's more from a business point of view, learnings um, is, is what I'm alluding to. For instance, because what you've described, like you say, so 99% of people generally in fitness, their dream is to one day have their own gym, right? So most people become personal trainer, I'll have my own gym and happy days. And that's as far as people think in terms of happiness. So in terms of 
the end goal. So like you said, once you left and, you know, you're back home at your parents' house and you've kind of like, you went through one cycle of life almost, you know, like you've yeah. went to uni, didn't end up following that path, wanted to go down fitness, got your personal training, set up your gym and then to stop, like, you know, the, and how did that really feel? Like, you know, because, yeah, it's almost like having your goal and then not having it. Yeah, it was, it was weird because it was, it was, in one way, it was very relieving for me. Like, I could just, it felt like it was a lot off my shoulders. Okay. Like, there was, I didn't have that responsibility of trying to promote that brand or that gym uh, and everything associated with it. I felt fully free to start from scratch. It's funny, you could even, you're even referencing it to, like, that gym, not, like, my gym. Yeah. So that's how far away you are mentally from it. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Just, yeah. Um, but it was, it, you know, it was a massive step back, but it's, you know, I, I listen to quite a lot of podcasts and I've read books from other people who've been successful and they all go through failures. And I was just like, okay, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a failure, but, you know, that was, I guess that was an experience. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot from it, pros and cons to it all, but now let's start from scratch again and actually do something which I really want to do. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's all about just being positive. You can't stress yourself out and think, oh my God, like this is the end. Because I was still... I think at the time I was 20, 26, was I? Yeah, something like that. So, you know, I'm still young, still got loads of time. That's a good way to look at it. It's a mm. good way to think about it. Loads of people would have been like, that was it, it's not going to work now, what am I going to do now? Or um, so let, let, it was, th- The biggest thing was just the freedom. I was like, I am free. I can... And the thing as well, when I was... When, when you have a business or in a business partnership... And you're trying to promote a business which you don't really believe is yours, nor do you believe in, nor do you see yourself being there in the long run. It's like you kind of feel like it's just a waste of time. Like it's it's quite obvious whether you have a passion for it or not. And when I was kind of starting off my YouTube channel, I just wanted to get my own values across and just push my own brand, me. And, you know, from not having to... One of the hardest things was when I was promoting the business how do I separate my brand from the business brand right. like does everything which I push out have to be relating to the business or come from the business social media pages so at what point did you start separating the two it was a bit they were always quite kind of separate like I had my own brand I guess which was just me you know more of the casual side of things so on social you had like Instagram and YouTube set up at that point during this journey or no? No, it was a while before YouTube started. It was all Instagram and Facebook to begin with. So I had two pages and I was like, well, say for example, I came up with some content, whether it be a picture or a video or or like a load of text, which page do I push that out from? Mm -hmm. I could push it out from my own page because I've got more of a following, a massive following on the Instagram compared to the business. What was it then? Then it was being like 100K or something. Okay. Which is, you know, it's quite good. Or do I push it out from the Aurora page, yeah. uh, which only has like 10K or something? Yeah. You know, less people are going to see it, but it's going to come from the business page. If it comes from the business page, maybe more people will follow the business page. Yeah. It's how do you find a voice for the business? I have my voice. I'm really quite sort of chilled. I don't like to censor myself too much. I like to be as real as I can be. Yeah. Whereas when you're speaking on behalf of a business, you know, that business has a culture and a voice of its own, which I've struggled to, yeah. you know. Because the business was just you, really. That's why if yeah. you are a almost like a one person or even a, 
you know, um, doing it under your own name is, is the way to do it mm. because you feel passionate about it because it's you. Yeah. If you're trying to do it, because loads of people would, especially personal trainers, they'll set up a company name and set up a company social media and they'll be like, let's just call it like, I don't know, go to personal trainer, but it's just one guy. And then it's, you're trying to do through this thing. The best is always to use your own name. Yeah. And because he, he, he didn't really, he wasn't a fan. He still isn't a fan of social media. So I was, it was hard for me to get him to come up with, you know, no, no, I think the biggest thing up. in business is uh, if none, if the other person doesn't have the same like drive or vision, then it really becomes a thing because clearly social media is the thing you should be doing. Yeah. So if someone was not willing to, then they didn't have the right. Yeah. And I was thinking, thinking. what if it gone back in time and instead of that person who I was in a business partnership, what if it was somebody very much like me who had, like you said, the same sort of ambition and drive, but was very active on social media and had an equal sort of following, it would have been completely different. Yeah. And I probably would, that would still be, you know, existing to today. So, um, so you moved to London, which is quite brave. So essentially you just like, I'm going to come down and I'm going to st- start from here. So at that point you said you had what, like 5,000 on YouTube and yeah, it, like it, was, on it was the end of 2016. Like there really wasn't many at all. I'd put out a few videos, but it was, there was no structure to it whatsoever. I had zero sort of experience. Um, like I look back at some of my old videos and I'm just like, oh my God, what the hell was that about? But there was, there was one thing which was quite successful. Was, it was the Common Mistakes series. So I put out a video for every muscle group, which was what's the most common mistakes people make when doing you know, this, this body part. And it was what I think it was the shoulder video, for whatever reason, went quite viral. So I got over 100,000 views. So that started to bring in a fair few people from you know, people within YouTube. And it's funny because I had quite a big following on Instagram and I'm like, telling everyone hey go and watch my youtube video or go and subscribe and people are just like no like it's very hard to move people from one social media platform to the other you know they're, they're both very different and i think in order to grow youtube you have to find people who are already on youtube yeah 100 percent. um so i guess the start of 2017 i think i'd just been in egypt i was on holiday with my girlfriend i came back fresh mind i was like right this is the year i'm gonna smash youtube and i just started pumping videos out like every three to four days and there was we did this it was like an arm workout which is probably that is my most viewed video to date it's almost it's over four million views and that was just the start of it when you have a viral video you you start to bring loads of subscribers in and then that kind of really motivated me to just keep pushing because when you put in a lot of work and you see rewards from your work you're like yes it's working keep doing it keep doing it and that's what I kept doing yeah, like, you know, to be honest, after putting the first podcast out and like 5,000 people listened to it and it got to top 50 in the charts, I was like, damn, I need to take this podcast thing even more seriously, even though I was. But now I'm like, okay, this can really like be a thing for myself. Um, and I'm only doing all this to like become more of a practical person. So I know the industry from working with influencers, but actually trying to become one yourself and running your own ads and own everything, it's a different learning experience. Yeah, it's... Um, it's one of those things where you just have to keep grinding because the first few videos or podcasts you put out, they might not do that well. And that's where most people give up and you think, oh, well, it's not for me. Yeah. But if you just keep grinding, there'll often be one video or one pod- podcast which just does very, very well. And you're like, oh, crap, like people are actually interested. And then that's, you know, you, you keep going. So would you say then what is about a year and a half to get from like 5,000 to like 400,000 subscribers? Oh, no, it was less than that. It was within six months, I got 200,000. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it's funny because... But how? I don't know. People wanted to watch me. 
<laughs> I don't know. It was... Um, no, no, so did it, I'm, I'm the, sure it's more than that. So. Yeah, the, the, the videos which did very well was like top five exercises you should be doing. That brought in a lot of views. But how, how did that come about? Like, what was the thought behind that series? Did you do any research? Like, how at that point, let's just say, maybe now you're more experienced, but at that point, how did you decide what content to create? Oh, that's that's one of the hardest things, I think. Because um, you can do a bit of research on YouTube, but then it looks like you're copying someone else's video, which a lot of people do now. They see a video that does well, they try to put their own spin on it. Um, I just thought, you know, because the, the Common Mistake series did very well, I just thought, hmm, you know, there's so many exercises out there which people do to hit a certain muscle group. I just thought, you know, from my experience of training myself and my clients, which are like sort of the best bang for your buck exercises, yeah. and I thought this would be quite a good, you know, series to put together. And I did. And I think what I did as well, I just had the combination of me uh, obviously performing the exercises on video and doing the voiceovers, which I think worked very well. I think people liked my videos because they were short, sweet, to the point, and there was no sort of bull associated with it because people like to waffle on and I'd watch other people you know put these videos together and I was just like what are they just talking about nonsense like let's just get to the point of this video instead of like five minutes in you're actually talking about what the title is yeah. um so I would the, the the thing which massively helped was doing the voiceover I could be you know straight to the point and talk about what the video is showing whereas when you try and do it in the gym a noisy gym it can drag on quite a lot and the video being you know it ended up being really quite long so I think that's one of the things which people liked was I wasn't trying to sell anything to people yeah. you know I'd, I didn't, wasn't even selling my own services I just thought look let's just offer some good content which people will value and get benefit yeah. from I, I guess that that's the main point right so if you just create good content then that is more chance of people actually like enjoying it and yeah. subscribing to to see more yeah. um, but what about in terms of uh, you know like you said, you, you planned this common mistakes thing that was from your experience because you knew like these are the things people are mainly making mistake. I should make content about this. Mm-hmm. And from that point, like how, how do you plan your content? You know, um, do, you, do you have a system? Do you have a process? Because that's, that's what really people yeah, want to know. You I know? think th- this is one of my downfalls because I am, I would say I'm quite unorganized. And if I actually had more structure to my YouTube channel and planning videos it would be even more successful than it is now what tends to happen is ideas will come to my head and i'll write them down like i have a notepad in my phone of all potential titles of videos which i could do and another thing is as well as i try and keep it quite varied because if you keep doing the same thing over and over again like people get a bit bored and even i get bored like if i keep talking about the same content i don't enjoy doing the videos so if i have a particular interest in something at that point in time i like to talk about it or for a particular topic comes up you know say for example with a client i'm like huh that could be quite a good video like this one i've had recently where you know i just put a video out of me training a client mm-hmm. when i was in amsterdam like it was a full-on video where i'm coaching my client through a back workout it's got amazing feedback so far yeah. because it actually for the first time shows people what it's like if they were in a train if they were being coached by me in person yeah. and that idea just kind of came up out of nowhere. I think especially, you know, today I would advise any influencer to make content that's like really real. And that's, I watched the video because it was so real that if someone actually training and you're actually giving them real advice, 
it's real training. Mm-hmm. It's not just a video created for the sake of content or edited really cool with fancy B-roll. It's, if it has real value in it, then um, people will like it. Because mm. I think today there's too many people on YouTube who create content that they think will look good yeah. or sound good or has you know cool drone footage, etc., etc. And if they don't have all that, it's not going to be good. The truth is that if you actually just put good value in your content that someone can really relate to because I guess for you your following is fitness based so because you put out a detailed video saying that you know if you're doing uh, bent over rows and your wrists are not the right way you know and it's like oh like you didn't know you know so when you're watching it you're learning something and I think that that's the key thing to why you're seeing um, a good response I think it's, it's hard as well because now there's so much competition I will sort of I will look at other fitness guys on youtube you know see what is making them successful or why their channel is growing there's a couple guys who have really upped the standard in terms of the editing and the research they put into their video and i'm just like oh my god like that must take so much work and i thought that's what i have to do as well and i'm like the amount of money and time that would have to go into really making a video look super like cool with the edits and the you know the visuals you know, it stressed me out a bit because I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Like, I'd rather just, like you said, just keep it more real and to the point. And with that video I did, um, where I'm coaching my client, I actually said at the beginning of the video, I'm like, look, there's not going to be any fancy music or fancy edits. Like, this is just, it is what it is. This is me in the session training my client. And, you know, it's done really well. Um, So when you were getting into it, like from the 5,000 onwards, so like, how did you learn to like edit? What software did you use? Like, what did you start with? Um, God, I think I started on, you know, I think like a lot of people start on iMovie, yeah. but then you start to realize, okay, if, if you want these videos to be a little bit more professional, you need to do it on software, which is going to allow you to do a little bit more. So I got Final Cut Pro. I think that's the main one, you know, you got Premiere as well, but I think Final Cut was more similar to iMovie. I thought, okay, I'm, you know, I'll be more familiar with it. And I've always had like quite a curiosity to be good at something. Like I don't, I've, I've never really liked somebody else to do the work for me because if you rely on somebody else to edit a video, you have to, you just have to wait. You know, you if, it might take somebody three days because they have other stuff to do. But if you really want to pump this video out straight away, it's much easier for me to just edit it myself, and then I can edit it in exactly the way I want to edit it. I like being in control of things I put out, and you know, with my business as well. Um, and this is one of the things you just have to teach yourself. Obviously, I started off, didn't have a microphone. The audio was absolutely shocking. You know, even the, the videos that have got really good views, I'll watch back now and I'm just like, oh my God, like it just cr- makes me cringe how bad the audio is. So, you know, you, you, it's baby steps, you know. So I think someone complained about the audio and I was like, oh yeah, you're right. The audio is actually terrible. So then I went and bought a microphone. And then you just start to figure out these cool little features, you know, doing transitions and, you know, getting different angles, slow-mo, stuff like that. And sometimes you can get inspiration from watching other videos, like they do something cool and you're just like, oh, whoa. And I think, especially with quite a lot of the edits I've done, I got quite a lot of inspiration from music videos mm-hmm. because music videos, obviously, they're very short, but they have to be quite impactful. And, you know, they just have different clips, you know, a couple second clips, which transition into, you know, another clip and so on. And I, you start to think about how other people put a video together and what it takes to put that video together. And they think, oh, I wonder you how you seem do like that. a person that looks and learns from other people. Yeah. Um, from what you like yeah. in this whole talk, you've mentioned loads of times that you see other people doing this and you learn from it. So a lot of the time, I'll see someone do something. I'm like, I can do better than that. 
that's what got me into YouTube in the first place was because I, you know, I'd have a look at other people making these YouTube videos and I, I'd, you know, a lot of them are pretty naff in terms of train, like the, the advice they were given. I was like, what the hell? I can, I know more than this guy and this guy has a huge following. So, but that's the question, isn't it? But can you put it in good content that people would want to watch? Because that's what I would say the most thing people say, especially about fitness influencers, like, what does that guy know? His body's not that great, or, you know, he's not that big, whatever it is. So they judge people on that. But I guess what they don't realize the hard part is being able to create the content that people would want to see, you know? That's why quite a lot of people are still kind of, you know, they might have a big Instagram following, but they don't really have anything on YouTube, is because the time that goes into filming and editing, but then the presentation skills as well, because I was horrendous on front of, in front of the camera. I on, on Instagram, you can very easily like front it, yeah. meaning that, you know, as long as you look good in pictures and if someone can take nice pictures of you, you can have a good Instagram account, mm. you know, um, but on YouTube it comes so much more to like having a bit more camera skill, being able to talk on camera and having a personality. Mm. Hence why, there are people who can't do the crossover. Yeah, because I, I was trying to promote my services on Instagram before YouTube and I put so, so much time and effort into a caption, you know, trying to convince people that I knew what I was talking about and that you should buy my services. It's hard to convince people with text and I'd barely, you know, uploaded any videos or spoken to the camera. This was before Instagram stories as well and I was like, I have to get my, my skills across on a different platform. You know, people need to hear me talk. You know, when you when you watch a video and you watch or listen to somebody talk, you feel like you can, you can well, obviously, if they're a trustworthy person, you feel like you can trust them more or you feel like, okay, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Especially if you're looking at the camera and making eye contact. Yeah. Once a person watches three, four times your video, they potentially have seen you more than they've seen, like, their own family. Yeah. You start building a relationship that you can trust this person now it's like because you're having a one-on-one almost conversation with this person virtually and that leads to building that trust mm. that one day will turn into a transaction because as soon as youtube started growing demand for my services just went through the roof yeah. and it was it was funny as well because then you start getting recognized in the street you know some people come up to you and say hey mike love your videos and it's funny because someone who's watched maybe every single one of my videos they'll know me quite well i guess yeah. in a way and you, you know, they sort of smile and shake your hand, and you're like, you have no idea who this person is, which is quite, it's quite weird. <laughs> um, just a, a takeaway for people is, um, so if someone was uh, setting up now to, let's just say, uh, um, what camera and like stuff do you use? Software you just said Final Cut. Um, yeah, you what, what's what's your setup? What's your advice to them? Start off with the basics. You don't need to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on equipment. Just get a decent camera. Um, one, ideally with a flip screen, so you know you can see yourself talk back. I think that's been hugely beneficial. Um, and then yeah, I guess having a microphone is quite important. But then, you know, that's it. You need that and the software, and you're good to go. You can start getting more stuff further in the future, like if you wanted to get a GoPro or a drone or, you know, things like that. Um, you don't necessarily need to spend a load of money on hiring someone to film for you either. Just get a friend or a training partner to to film and just start putting content out you know once you start just continue with it and don't necessarily be put off thinking it's too late because there's there's always room for for people to succeed if the content they put out is good because even yourself to be fair from what you're saying so even starting in 2017 that's only last yeah, year and to where you are today that is very late because 
we were just talking about um, like Sergey Constance, for instance, earlier before this podcast. And, um, you know, I'm sure he had like a million followers, like even two years ago. You know, the guys like some of the people on Instagram are huge. They were there for like ages ago for you to start like last year, like if it's on YouTube and then to have 400,000 subscribers. It's mad. Mm. And for anyone listening, like, you know, you can easily start today. And just find your own niche in terms of the content you're putting out, like you have done, right? So you yeah. found like good quality information about fitness. There's a place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, what about someone that's like struggling to, you know, what they're going to say on camera or how you should be on camera? Like, well, obviously, you've made yeah, it's it's just so many videos. Pr- practice, practice, practice. You all, I would just recommend. I think yeah, getting a tripod as well is useful. You need a tripod. Put your camera on a tripod and just speak to it about a topic which you are do you going like to talk script about. it so you know no, do no. you actually like script it? do you make notes or do you just fully just talk i'm i've found it's really hard to 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 script something and then um just repeat it it doesn't come across very natural and that's why i kind of had this kind of new respect for actors you know the all the scripts which they have to learn i'm like oh my god they have to do this with no breaks and make it like believable uh so i I improvise, but I, what I found is that helps is I have this whiteboard and I make bullet points on the whiteboard and I put the whiteboard in front of me. Mm-hmm. So if, because there's a lot of information which I need to get across and there's a limited amount of time, I don't really want to waffle on. So I need to just you know, reel off all the main points. And if I do kind of forget about what it was I was going to talk about, I can just glance over to the board and I'm like, oh yeah, I want to talk about that. And I think if you truly do understand the topic, you can just let it roll off your tongue. Yeah. If you don't really know what you're talking about, then... I think it's probably best just not to talk about it because it comes across like this guy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. Um, yeah, because, you know, I, I've been doing my content and that's something that I'm trying to learn as well. If I'm like, you know, talking to the camera, being able to get your point across concisely enough because you're creating content because in a normal conversation, you can take as long as you want to answer a point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would start off with talking about what I really knew, which for me is form and training and then uh, when you get into the more complex topics such as nutrition or other things like that I would definitely need to put a lot more research into it and it becomes almost like a presentation which you have really prepared beforehand which if you do it well they can be very successful videos but I definitely find that those I don't enjoy doing those ones as much but sometimes they are necessary because I would get a lot of people requesting that I cover this topic and I'm like oh this is going to be a tough one to tackle because nutrition is it's it's there's it's you go so in depth with different approaches and what different people should do it's like okay i I really just need to keep this simple and get the main points across and i think one thing which has been quite good for me is not to be so biased with one point of view because then you have other people who will critique you and just be like oh well i disagree with you i would often say this is what these this is what i believe or these are my views and this is what other people would say. So I'm almost defending myself if anyone wants to, you know, lay into me. And I think there's so much which hasn't, you know, there's a lot of science behind training and nutrition, but we're still learning so much on a day-to-day basis that, you know, some things which were quite a common belief a year or so ago, it, you know, is completely different now. There's been a new study which has just disproved that. So I think it's everything's still very much in the air. And it, a lot of it's just, experimenting trying different approaches and finding out what works best for you and I never told people oh you're going to look like me or this is the only way to do it I'm like 
this is what I've done. These were the results. Yeah. I tried this. This is what happened. You know, this is my experience. These are the mistakes I've made. And most of the time, I'm just like, I just don't want you guys to waste time and make mistakes which I've made. Yeah. Um, so in, in terms of, um, so now, I guess, you know, you're established influencer. You've been creating this content. So I guess like you just talked about, you've, you know, gone through it all and um, I guess slowly, slowly grown. Do you see yourself like now as like Mike Thurston as a business? So now do you see yourself as a business? Like, is this, this is what you do now full time, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's hard because when people say to you, also, what do you do for a living? I'm like, um, so I do a bit of YouTube. I do a bit of like online coaching. I'm a sponsored athlete. You know, I've, I have revenue coming from different sources. Um, I guess, yeah, Mike Thurston, the business, but it doesn't sound like a business, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's but I guess, you know, do you see yourself as a business? What I mean by that is like, you know, yeah, it's, it's I, yeah. the way you operate, right? So you have, like you said, you have different revenue streams, your marketing, marketing is the content you're putting out, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're researching or looking at other people, um, creating some sort of strategy to then, okay, do this, yeah, goals, etc. It's a business which I'm completely running by myself, which has got to the point where in order for it to flourish further, I need a team. I need people to help me out. I can't do everything, which I've been trying, I've been trying to do everything myself. And now, you know, time is so valuable. I can't really afford to spend time on doing tedious tasks, which someone else can be doing. And I need to bring in other people's expertise to help, you know, me progress in areas which I'm not necessarily clued upon. I wouldn't say I'm very good at marketing or advertising. You know, I've just purely gone off the success of my YouTube, which has provided me an income. If I actually had people on board helping me, you know, with Facebook ads, you know, YouTube ads and actually being like, Mike, stop wasting time doing this. This is really going to bring the money in or whatever. Then, you know, my business is going to go to the next level. What things are you not doing that you think you should be doing? Um, one of the things which you've helped me out with is moving towards the more automated stuff so I can offer services for more people, which is going to take up less of my time. So I'm definitely moving into that stage now. Um, advertising, I think, is a huge one. I could be benefiting massively so from Have you ever run any ads? No. Never? No. And why not? Um, I think, one, because I don't understand it enough to start throwing money into it. I've heard stories of people throwing so much money into Facebook ads, which have been completely useless. You have to know a little bit about it before you start you know, running those campaigns. And then, second of all, because business has actually been doing very well in terms of people signing up to the online coaching revenue from youtube and sponsorships i've not really been struggling with money money's been good so it's not like i've had that need but i guess the takeaway there is though now that you're a business you know a business can still be earning money but you don't want to be missing further growth opportunity and it sounds like you're getting cash so you're happy yeah I've, i've reached that stage where i'm getting enough income where i can live a very comfortable life um, and you kind of ask yourself, well, do I really need that much money or do I need more money? But in, yes, you do. Businesses need money in order to grow. Yeah. Cause if you want to have staff, right, then the money that yeah. you're currently going into your exactly. pocket is no longer going and it's, to be, you know, I want to start investing in, you know, property and not actually sitting on cash or spanking it on stupid things. You know, I need to be yeah. investing for when I'm older. Cause obviously I, you know, my physique ain't going to last forever. You know, I'm, I'm going to get older and I don't, you know, I don't necessarily I don't know if I want to be making YouTube videos in 10 years time. So I need to plan for the future. Yeah, I was going to ask you that next actually is, um, 
So today, you know, obviously you're an influencer, which we just alluded to, which is also like a business. Do you see like this being like in five years time, this is what you're still doing? I think so, yes. I think um, there's so much potential for growth on YouTube. I think it will just be, it will run in a way which I'll be much happier with. So I will have a, a cameraman who I will work with on a very regular basis uh, and somebody who's going to help me out with editing. And I think if we, if I sit down with a team of people and come up with ideas of you know YouTube series or videos to do, it could do it could do very well because um, I think definitely people are spending a lot more time on YouTube or you know Netflix or whatever it might be. People aren't really watching TV anymore. People are spending time on the phone, and YouTube is one of those things which it's a platform which isn't going to go away anytime soon. So you see this as like a long term thing, definitely for the next five years. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think um, in the industry? Others think the same, like from people that you know, etc. Or do you think people see it as more like an opportunity to just try and make as much money as they can? You know, how do you feel about that? Like, what do you think? What, other people in my position? Yeah, like other influencers, um, fitness or not, you know, that do they think people exploit it to earn as much money as possible because it's short term thinking? Like, do you think short term, long term? Because to me, you come across as someone that thinks long term. You know, I can see that you're like... You know, you like we heard about your story and how you've come to this point, and now you see, like you're saying, in five years' time, you say Mike Thurston, what, like, what's the goal? Three million subscribers? Ten million? You never know. (laughs) I think you can tell with some people, like other people I've trained with, other influencers, like they've got their their business in order. Like you can tell, oh, this this guy's switched on. Like he's he's going to do well. Other people don't really have a clue what they're doing. They're just kind of doing it for fun and just living in the moment. So it's, it, I guess it's really dependent upon the individual. Um, I've not necessarily had those sort of in-depth chats like this with those guys. Like, so I'm not like, oh, so in the middle of a set, so what do you plan on doing in 10 no, years' of time? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but from what you see or hear, generally, like your thoughts? I think it's half and half. There's definitely people who are really planning ahead and want to turn whatever it is into a business. You know, some people think, right, I'm going to get into clothing and really push the clothing or whether they want to push their coaching and then there's other people who just really have no idea. They're kind of just living in the moment, enjoying you know, life as is, and they haven't really thought about what they're doing in five years' time. Um, going back to like the ad stuff, I think that there are definitely things um, you can be doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's uh, kind of crazy to me how influencers don't use like any ads because one of the things you can easily do right now is you can literally just make like a a one to two minute video or five minute video saying, Hey, my name is Mike. Um, do you know, um, you know, the five things that people do or the one big thing people do wrong um, when working out their chest is this one thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you did these three things instead, you know, it would, there would be, um, it would be better. Mm-hmm. I actually have a whole channel about this stuff. Come and check it out. Mm-hmm. Just that. So you give them some value yeah, and um, then he said, come check me out. How many people that will pull towards you? And why that would work is because you can target the right people. Because then you can, like on Google AdWords, you can actually go and A, you can actually do custom audiences. So what that means is if someone has watched your video in the past, you can actually say, so if your arm workout has 4 million views, you can say, if you watch my arm video, they get hit with this ad. Yeah. So they've already seen you. They will remember who you are, let's just say. And you then you hit them with that ad and then they might come and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, or 
to the same person or, or someone who's watched four of your videos, you can create a custom audience out of those four groups and you can send them an advert. And that advert can easily be like, hey, what's up? I'm Mike. And you can assume they already know you. Oh, you know, my coaching is this. And, you know, for limited time, it's 50% off if you use this code, let's just say. And only those people getting that video ever know about that code and they come and buy. And then we can install, like, you know, the analytics on, on your website and you can see, like, exactly did someone come and buy. Yeah. So these are some of the things. So really, like, with the people out there who are making, like, millions on YouTube, they're using ads and mechanics to make it, you know, not luck basically that I'm going to make another viral video. It's like that um, that Ty Lopez. There was one yeah. point where he was, every single advert was him. And I'm like, I was actually curious as to who this guy was. You know, he used to show himself in his garage with his, you know, Lamborghinis and everything. And I was and like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> he makes like 100 million plus a year, yeah. you know, because there's so much systems you can put in place that are all automated. So maybe you're seeing his ad again and again because he's generally targeting, I should say, under 30 people in, interested in entrepreneurship and Google is putting you in that class. Number two, it could have been because you watched a video so you were being retargeted for B. C could have been because you went onto his website and you have the pixel installed, which means that if you land on the website, retarget this person. Because mm-hmm. you can do the same basically. If someone comes to like MikeThurston.co.uk, um, you can retarget those people with a video on YouTube saying, hey, what's up? I saw that you came to my website, but you didn't buy. Let me give you these five things then for free and whatever. It's like you can do that level of you know targeting which is what drives revenue and drives growth. So just going back to like the ads, yeah, if you just make simple on Instagram and YouTube, just saying, hey, come follow me, it works. Yeah. I'll give you my own example. So I had 300 followers and I set up an ad saying, hey, I run my own business. This is what I do. Come check me out. And in the last like month or so, I'm on now on three and a half thousand. So I've gone up by 3000 on Instagram, but just simply testing this one thing that I'm saying and it works. Yeah. So I'm not, I've not only seen others do it out there, I've actually tried it on myself and it works. So if you do the same thing, say if your growth today is 100, 200 or 500 followers a day on Instagram, you can easily control that yourself. Because yeah. if you increase your daily budget, it generally will mean that it will increase. It'll, the ad may start underperforming or, or then you can just set up another one. You can do lots of tests, A-B tests, set up 10 campaigns with like two pounds each day and see what works. Yeah, I think the, the reason why I haven't really got into it too much is because as we said before, the services which are offering were very customized and required a lot of my time. And because I was almost working at full capacity, why would I want to put those adverts out when I can't take on the excess demand? So that's what it's been like this for a while now. Like I've known I need to bring out services which aren't going to take up my time. Once those are in place, like the membership area, you know, or the training programs which are, you know, already pre made. You know, I can sell as many that people want. Yeah. But I guess the thing is to look at ads in a way is a way to get more people to see your content rather than it's a way for a transaction. Yeah, that's true. Basically, if you focus it as a transactional thing, then you will like lose. But if you see it as a way to get more exposure, because the more people that come and follow your YouTube, they are the ones that will end up buying from you one day. Because once they, so it's like, how can you reach more people? You know, so if, if now you put a video out, your subscribers see it, great. But the real goal is to get more people to come towards you. So th- through ads, you, you can target. That's the because whoever your target is, you can actually target them. So if it is like men who are below 40 into fitness, not only that, you can even say they are X, they already subscribe to X person. 
So let's just say if someone's a Christian Guzman subscriber, you can target them with an advert. So you know, okay, his followers are very similar to my followers. I need some of his followers. Mm-hmm. You can actually crawl other people's and take the followers essentially because you can target them. Mm-hmm. So like that, you can basically build your audience even more. Um, and the other thing, what you can do is what's the kind of like, this called like the low hanging fruit. You can essentially like, let's just say you can run an ad in India and it'll end up costing you like very, very less because there are less people competing for those ads and you'll be able to pull those followers that much easier than um, someone based, let's just say, in the UK. Mm-hmm. And like that, you can essentially build your following even more, more globally, get your numbers even higher. Um, because the truth is, it's social currency, right? So if your followers are 400k today, but if it's 800k, people will like you that much more. Oh, yeah. It's just the way it is. Um, especially for views, so you can easily even sponsor videos that have not done so well as pre-roll ad and the views will just count on the video and you can just run like two pounds a day and get all your videos to 100k plus mm-hmm. you know it, there's so many things that can be done and people are really exceeding in it that's what they're doing because mm-hmm. if you're just leaving it because if you have a video with like four million but the other one is 10k it's clear that oh this one thing did well and the rest of his stuff maybe is not that great as a new person who's landing on your channel, right? But if everything is like decent and in, in context to your, to, to your subscribers, then that much more. Yeah. See, this is the thing. Like, I don't really know that much about the advertising, but you definitely sound like you know what you're doing. Like, yeah. Were you, did you just teach yourself all of this? Um, you know, I started running Facebook ads uh, back in 2000 and um, like 13 or something. Just to promote... So I, I, no, so this is before. So when we were the social app, um, before we converted into Athlete, um, I was running ads then, and and then it was like a new thing. So the conversions were crazy. You would get like a conversion for like twenty, an actual transaction for like twenty p, which won't happen anymore. So just about I, I learned it that way by actually running it myself. And then secondly, um, just, yeah, I say experiments number one. Hence why I'm running one now. So you got to really be interested in it. That's what it comes down to, that essentially in your spare time, you're setting up campaigns just to test your own hypothesis, you know. Did this India one, I'm just saying, I've literally just been testing it myself. So on the, just on Saturday, I set up a new ad just to target Dubai, like Abu Dhabi, Pakistan, India for myself. Just because I'm Asian, I know I will pull more Asian people towards me. So literally just testing my own thing and it works because yeah. the conversion is so much better than the same ad that I ran in UK. Um, so just that is learning, you know, if you actually do the tests and besides that, of course you can watch YouTube videos, you can get courses. Um, here's here's one thing as well. Like say, say for example, there's one person could go off and do their own research and experiments, but let's say somebody had a fair bit of money and they thought, right, I'm going to get some outside help to run these campaigns or ads for me. How would you know who to trust? Because there's so many people out there that are so like self-proclaimed, you know, that they know what they're doing, but what if you gave them a load of money and they just, you got to trust they know what they're doing and they've got to spend it right. So how would you know who to go to? You can control it though, I guess. Look, if you are going to, let's just say, you're going to go to an advertising company, right? You can either say to them, look, I'll give you a thousand. How, what are you going to do with it? So if they're telling you the stuff that I'm just saying in the brief or in what they're going to do with it, and not only that, if they're sharing the, you know, it's going to run on your Facebook account, you can, and you should have a login to be able to go and check what's going on, right? So if you're spending... 20 pounds per day you should be able to see how many um like followers you're getting or if it's traffic to your website you should have the analytics on your website to see how many people are really coming or if you were trying to sell a product how many sales are happening because um you know because you know how funnel works right so if you were 
the best of the way is to get the traffic onto your YouTube. Let's just say then from YouTube, you want someone to click and then come and buy something. And that's the whole journey, right? So if you're bringing in 4,000 people from an ad onto your YouTube channel, maybe let's just say 400 would subscribe. Then out of that 400, maybe like 100 would buy something. That's one like marketing channel. Then you can set up number two. Number two would be, um, could be a direct advert saying, hey guys, what's up? Here's some free value. I got loads of this kind of stuff. Um, Come check my website and here's the discount code. So that is a campaign pulling direct to your website. And again, you can track this many people the ad was shown to, this many people came on the website, this many people purchased. And then you'll start to see what's going on. It's like it's like a maths thing, right? So if people are not converting, then what's the problem? It could be a problem on the landing page itself. It could be a problem on the language, the images, the price point. Um, there's not enough testimonials it could be something on the website itself obviously that's what we excel in and our business you know that we've learned that side of it really well that if the traffic lands we convert like we did a release last week and it's astonishing to be honest that the conversion was 30 percent. so we had uh, twenty thousand people come and 30 percent of them bought something you know and um that's unheard of on e-commerce because generally your conversion would be around three percent um, it was for the launch that we just did with um, like Grace, and um, to, but that conversion is like unreal. You yeah. know, it shouldn't happen. Um, so even generally, if you're even doing three percent plus, then you know, okay, you're in the right ballpark, right? And then why I'm saying that is because then you know at the top end to put more money in. So let's just say in this example, you're running twenty pounds, and that's bringing a thousand people right it's bringing a thousand people to your website then in the end you only had two sales but from a thousand you should have had at least like 30 sales Mm -hmm. then you know okay let's see where the problem is um so we've done a test like this once before actually for for andre and um the conversion wasn't working and we realized it's because on the advert the information wasn't correct meaning there was like misinformation because you don't want it to be in your advert that you're promising something or something that you have on your website to get people to the website and you feel happy, but because it was misaligned. Because very easily you can have a video of you with abs, right? And tensing them and you can be like, oh, I'm so shredded. I can get you like this. Come check out my website. You're probably going to get loads of traffic to your website, but will they really convert to to a transaction? It's because you just showed them this crazy video they got hyped, they came, but it wasn't, they don't really know why they came. Are they really going to buy something now? So they hit with something that, you know, it's not going to work. So what did you do to change So that? in that case, like, you know, we needed a video which was more like, hey, what's up, blah, blah, blah. This is like my knowledge. So somehow to get the knowledge to the end user, because you got to give them some knowledge that they don't know about. I don't know. Let's just say, give you an example, like, most people do chest flies really, really light because they think like if I do loads of reps of these, I'll be toned. But that's actually like not how it works. You should still be doing good weight, blah, blah, blah. Some value. So if you give them some free value, people are like, oh, this is good. And if it's an actual value that they want to know, like I've just told you about this ads thing, you didn't know, so it's real value, right? So if you give them like real value, then they'll come to your website and there should be more of that value sitting there, but behind a pay button essentially. Um, so in that case, that's what we did. So we had to like rechange it and did it. We, we ran those ads for a bit. We don't run them anymore, actually. We, we ran them in the early days when we started working with him because we were trying to make a push for like, can we sell these products? 
Um, but then since then we've uh, not done it mainly because the client doesn't want to do it. Like if it was up to me, I would, I would love to be doing those ads today. And that's the decision a lot of influencers need to make that reinvesting their money. And um, a lot of them, like you said, when the money starts coming, you start living good. Like I, I want to keep that thousand pounds. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd rather like pay 500 pounds a month to get a new Mercedes than put it into my back into my channel for the long term future. So it is a battle, and um, I guess for for influencers in that way, because they they get cash happy, then it's very hard to like say no to cash. How many how um, many athletes do you work with now under athlete? Uh, you mean fitness influencers? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think overall it's a um, I don't know the exact number on my head, but it's around like fifty to sixty, I would say, like around the world. And um, yeah, some of them we have like close relationships with. Some of them it's more like. Literally, they wanted something done. We did it. It's live, and it just it's just there, and it works. Mm. What um, makes a good relationship between? I think for me, it's uh, I like to the the people that I put my time into is the who have the entrepreneur like hunger, who like have real hunger. Like when I'm saying um, let's do this new product or let's do this, like you know, in two days they can they can get it done. And, you know, and we're already thinking of the next thing. If something didn't work, don't like then not respond for two weeks because they upset you, you know, like it doesn't matter. Let's move on to the next thing. Like it's business. It's gonna, five things I say may not work, but the sixth thing might work unbelievably, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa. You might have an idea. We run with it. So I would say um, the people that I have the closest relationships with are the ones that like put in the most work. You know, if, if you're not too interested in building your own name and getting somewhere, like there's no point in me wasting my time because as you say, my time is worth value and really like i want to be learning um something and essentially generating revenue Mm -hmm. for the influencer and for myself so really at the moment because we don't accept like any client people normally like apply always through referral um that's one of the main things is i look for is that okay a does this person first have a following enough that he can impact number two do they have like the drive to be like forget where we are today where would you be in like, you know, in, in 12 months, what do you like seeing? Um, is it, you know, like for, just for that reason, like Grace is one of our main clients because we've been on this journey of like, um, so she set up her YouTube in like, I think October 2016. And, you know, now she's on, I think, 300K. And um, on Instagram, I think then she was on like 80K and now she's on like 700 something. And she's grown that. We haven't gone down the ads route. But um, in terms of like the next thing to do or things to work on, it's very like fast and full on. Like, you know, we were like, should we do a shop? Okay, let's do it. We did it. Then we're like, oh, let's do more products. Okay. Last time we were doing like summer's coming, let's do some summer clothing. Made five products, done it, sold it out. Like it's always forward. And now we've got like about six to eight new like products in production, which will be out in like three to six months. Like, you know, always working on what would work, learn from it, what went wrong. Like this time, I actually learned something new is that we did some crop T-shirts and essentially crop T-shirts didn't sell, even though they did sell, they didn't sell as fast as, let's just say, um, a sweatshirt, mainly because like a crop T-shirt, only a certain amount of like yeah. women can she wear, got, right? If you got a belly, you don't want wearing a crop top. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you need to like think about the different um, elements to something um, and then just learn from it, you know, like, cool. We kind of made a mistake in one way because we can't sell like thousands of them. But in that way, in other things, uh, we like, for example, we sell these resistant bands. It's, it's, we cannot literally make enough of them. Um, we make thousands of them and they sell out and it's just it's a bit unbelievable and you know we're just always working on okay what can we do or what's next um 
So yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Just more the hunger. Yeah. It, 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 it makes me kind of angry when an influencer has like a good following and they're not really doing much with it. Yeah. Or they don't know where they can be taking well, it. Like, I, I feel that myself. I'm like, I could, I could be doing so much more right now. So much more. You know, if you just, if you set up the whole, your ad system, yeah. You can also set up even an email list if you want. You can set up, I know you're doing a Facebook group with your, with your membership area, but you can even just do a general Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So with Grace, that's probably one of the things we've done. It's probably one of the largest health and fitness communities in the UK. I think she has something like 14,000 people in her Facebook group. Is that just free to join? Anyone that's free join to join, anyone to join. And it's kind of started a movement because people in there literally help each other. When we did the shop, I think there was something like a hundred odd girls that came to it that didn't even know anybody. They came by themselves because they speak to each other in this Facebook group. Oh, yeah. So if you set up your own Facebook group, um, I'm actually doing myself. I'm setting up one for like other people who are running their businesses to be like, come join a group. We just have a discussion in there. And I can go and start a topic. Other people can start a topic. It's just that, you know, like you should be doing all forms of stuff. You know, even if you're big on Instagram, LinkedIn, set up an email list, start getting those people going. You can automate emails to them. So, you know, on emails you can do, for example, on MailChimp, you can set up automation very easily. So if someone signs up to your list, day one, they get an email saying, hey, what's up? Thanks for joining, blah, blah, blah. Day two, and you can say to them, in the next email, I'm going to be sharing with you three things that I did when, um, when one of my clients was like struggling with motivation. Mm-hmm. And then you say, day three, send them this email. Um, it'll say, hey, what's up? As promised, here's the three things that I said in the next email. So basically an email series that's automated. Mm-hmm. You just write it up once and all you got to do is on Instagram, keep putting a story up, say, come and join. And they just go into the top and they automatically... And you're building rapport with them. So like what you do with your video and you can plug your YouTube videos in there um, and then you can plug your product every now and then. And that's a whole new channel that you're, that you're marketing to. And again, it's all automated. This is the thing. Once I've gone and actually started doing it and seen the success, I'll be kicking myself saying, Mike, why the hell did you not do this? Yeah, so you, can, you should have an automated email list set up, um, the ads set up, ads to grow your content mainly and your following. And um, and maybe you can test an ad as the um, direct sale advert. You can test mm-hmm. it. Um, you can do another thing, which you probably see a lot of people doing, is the webinars these days. Nice. Um, the reason they do that is because people feel a bit more special. So you can easily record a YouTube video um, saying, let's just say, you know, I'm going to teach you everything there is about nutrition, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a free class. Um, then there's loads of softwares that exist that will make it look like oh, it's uh, going to expire in two days and, you know, there's a set time for it. Um, so and if you subscribed and then you'll get to see it at this time. And like, yeah, then basically that's free content. So you imagine when you do a 40-minute class about nutrition, it's free to sign up because you've got a lot of following base already. Um, you should easily be able to get a few thousand people into that class, right? Mm-hmm. Then at the end of it, you have a course now which is coming out. You just plug your course at the end of the webinar. And can you convert those people that came for free thousand people came can you get um you know uh, 300 of them to buy it or t- 100 of them to buy it or 20 of them to buy it again it is all automated mm-hmm. all you got to do is just film that web class and that's it yeah. and then you can just run it again and again and again or some people just run it like all the time so i mean like every wednesday the web class just repeats and every wednesday is a new cohort of people coming in watching this web class it's easier for you that's why it drives me mad because these methods everyone uses on YouTube, you probably come across them and the ads hit you, but they're not influencers. They're yeah, general yeah. people who are using these methods trying to sell their ebook, sell their course. They'll have 7,000 YouTube subscribers. 
very rarely established people are doing it because if you were to do it you already have the rapport of that when they go to your channel they're gonna be like whoa shit this guy's got 400,000 followers because normally when someone's hitting you with the ad they normally like suck so that's why if someone's doing it who's like really good already people would be amazed when like they hit, get to your channel like yeah. oh wow or when you hit them with a youtube video watch this video and when they actually play it and it already has 300,000 views it's gonna blow them away because yeah. normally when people send that the view the video will have 91 views I actually bought someone's course recently and um, he was like, oh, I've used this like one video for this, blah, 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 whatever. Because I buy people just to like learn and examine and uh, just to see what they're doing inside. So this was actually someone else's members area. Um, I don't know if you've seen Alex Becker. Maybe someone listening to it would know. He does a, a lot of his ads come up. He's doing really well. Like he flies in private jets and stuff. So I'm pretty sure his, <laughs> He's still his all right. business is doing really well. <laughs> but his members area and everything was so like barely done. But um in one of these videos, he's like, oh, here's the video that I sent to people to convert. When I went on the video, it was like, I think I had like 70 views or something. And it does make you like, you know, think like, hmm, like really? Like you're saying this video works. Then why do they have like 70 views? He sells like, I think like a whole, he sells a bunch of courses and a bunch of things. And obviously some of them work because he, he, he makes money. But the point is, if you already have the real content out there with views, then it's just, mm. it's just a shame because getting what you have is harder then setting up the ads yeah. and making money that way. So you already got the thing that's harder because if you, the other way is easier. It's so, there's so many people who I've not tapped into as well. Like I get messages every day saying, oh, you know, I've just found you on YouTube. And in a way I'm like, I feel like, how have you just found me? Like my video's everywhere. But not, not really because YouTube is so massive that, you know, for, for someone to just randomly stumble across my video, you know, it might happen, but it might not. It's just, it's really just pure look on what the YouTube algorithm is or what, what they were searching for, right? Yeah. Um, I think the other thing you can also do in AdWords is you can see what someone searched for to like find you. Mm. It's just another way to target people, just on keywords. So you can say someone interested in fitness, transformation, abs, whatever. You target those people. So maybe your current um, uh, following already, you know, is one type and for you to branch out is why ads work really well because you can target people, you know. And same, you can run Facebook ads. You should even set up a Facebook page and all the videos that you're posting on YouTube just post the same videos on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Why not? What you got to lose? Nothing. And it's a whole new audience sitting there for you. Your common mistakes were, and if I was you, I would literally um, make or I would pull, I would find someone that can just like translate and put like Chinese subtitles at the bottom of it and I would run them like as ads in China. Yeah. on Facebook because if you know the content worked once it will work again on another subset of people because people are the same mm-hmm. so yeah there's like there's literally so much so much that can be done um, cool um, yeah kind of in a bit topic off topic off topic but you know um, yeah I think that's what I'm excited about you know of us even working together I think there's so much that we can do it's uh, I, I'm like really interested in it and it's fun to like see what can be done what results can be achieved um cool i think just to round it off the course is coming out soon uh, yes. 7th of june isn't it yes. so i'm guessing by the time this podcast is out it's already out where can they find it what's what's it about just let so www.mikethurston.co.uk you'll be able to find it there and sign up uh, the course is basically just designed for you to transform your physique okay most people who are getting into fitness Especially if you're a male, you want to put on a bit of size, you want to lose body fat. That's what the course is specifically focusing on. Um, 
I go into depth about the nutrition because that's one of the hardest aspects of transforming your physique. People don't know how much they should be eating, what they should be eating, and how they should kind of structure that as to whether they want to put on size or lose body fat. So because obviously I can't work with everyone, you know, I, I can only work with a select few, I try to basically just make it as easy as possible for you to figure it out for yourself and see those results, yeah. you know, without working me, with me so in-depth. Nice, okay. Um, if you guys want to check that out, um, it should be very, very good piece of content. Um, probably one of the most like in-depth ones that we've actually worked on, so I'm quite excited about that. And then obviously that will, they'll have access to the members area on Facebook. Yeah. They'll be doing the live webinars and stuff like that, so we get um, a lot. And, and your Instagram, YouTube... Mike Thurston, they? YouTube. Do you know what? I don't even know what the specific URL for the YouTube channel is. <laughs> it's supposed to be Mike Thurston Coaching, but you know I got the uh, the YouTube plaque for 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. It just came up with this massive, uh, long you know, URL or whatever it is. So I need to get that fixed. But if you just type Mike Thurston in YouTube, I'm going to pop up. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I hope you guys um, enjoyed that episode. I'm in the middle of... Uh, organizing like these podcasts so if there's anything in particular you want me to discuss or talk about ask one of the leading influencers just let me know um you can find me sean.hanif on instagram um and on youtube it's just sean hanif or you can even email me which is sean at athlete.com um yeah hope you guys enjoyed it have a great day